Welcome to the Resolved Podcast, where you can find truth through God's Word that will inspire and strengthen you as you determine to lead a life worthy of your calling. Today, we are answering the question, how do I love God? In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus answered this question for us. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In other words, love him with your whole being. What does that actually look like though? Well, we love him by being mindful of him. What is the last thing we think about when we go to bed at night and the first thing we think about when we wake in the morning? If we stop and think about that, it can give us a wake-up call because often the answer to that can reveal an idol in our life. An idol is anything that we are more mindful of than God. It could be a job, a relationship, exercise, football, you get the idea. We also love him with our strength by forcefully resisting offense toward him when we cannot make sense of his silence and hold tightly to him regardless, knowing that he is good. We're going to touch on that more in a bit. But we also love him with our feelings, but guys, also with our will. Jesus said that loving him with our whole being was the first and greatest commandment. That is a big deal. Now, I'm going to geek out on you for a minute, but I promise I'm going to come back. We are going to define the word love in this scripture. The Bible was translated from both Hebrew and Greek. The Old Testament is translated from Hebrew and the New Testament from Greek. When we study the scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, we find that the original Greek word translated to our word love is the word agapeo. There is, however, another Greek word that is translated to our word love, and that is the word philio. I'm going to come back to that one, but first let's define agapeo. The Greek dictionary defines it as to love. It's an action. Strong's Concordance goes on to explain that it is an unselfish love, ready to serve. It is, and I quote, a deliberate assent of the will, a preferential love that is chosen and acted out. In 1 John 4, 8, scripture says God is love. This word love is agape, which is the noun form of agapeo. God physically is this love. He also showed this love, agapeo, when he sent his son Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. Unselfishly, without condition, we didn't earn it in any way. This is important because what happens when we don't feel like loving God? I have to trust that I am not the only one who feels this way sometimes. When we are walking through something hard that we don't understand, we can be tempted to question God's faithfulness and his goodness, and that changes the way that we feel toward him. Let me give you an example. I don't always feel like agapowing my husband. I don't. I don't think that's the word. I made that up, but you get it. Sometimes I either like I misinterpret things that he does or that he says, and my feelings towards him fluctuate. Sometimes I feel hurt. Sometimes I feel annoyed. But if we always let our feelings call the shots, we would be in trouble and probably not married. Guys, I know that I love God and I know that I love my husband. Our feelings can be irrational and circumstantial. The word love that is related to feelings, that is the word filio that I mentioned earlier, which means to have affection. The commandment to love God was purposed to not be swayed by our feelings. God didn't say the commandment was filio, it was agapeo. We cannot only love God with our feelings. It is a choice, a strong intention. I really hope that made sense because you're going to need it in a minute. I have a high value for testimonies from people who have been through something and can share of God's goodness afterward. 
I have many testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives, but I also appreciate it when others share when they are in the middle of something. And that is what I have for you today. Five months ago, God told me to leave my full-time job. God speaks to me a lot through dreams and that that's how he told me to leave my job. Let me give you a quick synopsis of this dream. I was driving a car and my boss was sitting in the passenger seat. While I was trying to drive, he was leaning over in front of me, flailing his arms and yelling. And I kept pushing him back and telling him, get out of the way because I can't, I can't see where I'm going. That dream seemed obvious to me because prior to this, I felt led to write a book and I had enrolled in a writing course, but I had planned on working full time, homeschooling my four kids and doing the class at the same time. But the Lord knew better. My job was getting in the way from what God had asked me to do. The Lord also knows I like to hear things more than once. I did not quit my job right away, you guys. It was a big deal. It felt pretty clear to me, but I told the Lord, I said, I just need you to tell me again so that I know that I know. Within a week, my husband had been reading in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus was sending out his disciples to minister. As he was reading, I walked into the room and he asked me, what do you think Jesus meant when he said, don't stop to greet anyone along the road? When he asked me that, something quickened in my spirit. We didn't talk about it uh, too much at that time, but that afternoon, I got alone with the Lord and looked up that passage myself. And here's what it said. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Guys, God's word is alive. We are told that in Hebrews 4.12. His living breath was on that scripture. I knew that he had spoken to me. He had, in fact, called me to leave my job. It was stopping me along the road to what he was calling me to do. It was in the way, a distraction. And he told me not to take any money with me. No no money bag, no traveler's bag, no extra pair of sandals. In other words, he was going to provide and I was not to worry about it or prepare. He was going to figure it out. So I was then immediately obedient and I put in my notice at work. So here we are, uh, five months later, the book is written and it's in editing, but we are 26 days late on our mortgage what in the world, Lord, (laughs) right? You said you'd provide. I don't get it. But it is in this place that we get to choose to love. A former pastor of ours, Bill Johnson, once said, to have the peace that surpasses understanding, we must give up our right to understand. This comes from Philippians 4, 6, and 7 that says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. In that place of not understanding, we have the opportunity to offer up sacrificial praise and an act of love and faith. I heard a teaching years ago by Danny Silk on the difference between expectation and expectancy. Expectations are taking what we know and analyzing it while we come up with a good solution for God to follow. I'm really good at that. But expectancy is simply trusting God's goodness to actively work for our good. That trust produces hope. Too often when we pray, we attach expectations and timelines to those prayers without even realizing it. As I'm a list maker, I love lists. I feel accomplished when I have successfully marked everything from a list that I strategically created. I have a to-do list, a grocery list, a prayer list, a packing list. I could go on. I love them all. 
Sometimes I add things to my list I've already accomplished just so I can mark them off, (laughs) seriously. But there's another list I create, not so strategically or even intentionally, and it is the expectations list. How I expect a situation to resolve, how I expect God to answer prayer, how I expect God to bless me, and yes, these lists include timelines. I had an expectation that our mortgage would be paid on time. I did. I don't understand it, but... I will live in expectancy of God's goodness to come through. It is just who he is. He keeps his promises and I will resolve to love God no matter what evidence I see or don't see. Everything God tells us, you guys, is out of love. He is love. This agapio love protects us. Jesus gave us that commandment with intention. He knows that our finite minds cannot understand his ways. But let me be clear. His ways are not to cause calamity or sickness, disease, to teach us a lesson. We live in a broken, cursed world, but that is not on him. But he will use those things for our good, Romans 8, 28. Absolutely, but he is not the author of them. But let's be real, guys. There are times when we wonder why it seems like he is not intervening when we think he should or how we think he should. But guys, he knows, he knows it's going to take our will, our strong intention to love him through the seasons of life that we cannot make sense of. I want to bring you to John chapter 21. This is after Jesus had been crucified before he ascended to heaven. He met his disciples for breakfast at the sea. Okay, first of all, can you imagine breakfast oceanside with Jesus? Like sign me up, right? Oh my gosh, I wonder if the disciples took things like that for granted. I don't know, but man, that would be amazing. Okay, anyway, so after they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus had this conversation with Peter. Now, you're going to hear Jesus call Peter Simon, son of John. It's almost like our mom calling us with our middle name, like Jamie Nicole, right? We know what comes next is a big deal, okay? So, now also remember, Peter is the one who had denied Jesus three times while he was being persecuted and beaten before his crucifixion. So here we go. Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He was referring to the other disciples because before Peter denied Jesus, he claimed to love Jesus more than the other disciples. So he replies, yes, Lord, you know, I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know, I love you. Then take care of my sheep. Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. In this passage, Jesus is restoring Peter by asking him about his love for him three times because he had denied him three times. But I don't believe that is all that is happening here. Jesus and Peter are not talking about the same thing. When we study this passage, we find that Jesus' question is using the word agapeo, the action of unselfish love. But Peter's answer is using the word filio, the feeling of affection. Except the third question, the third time Jesus asks, he uses filio. With that in mind, I'm going to read this again. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
Here's that third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that he asked him that third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything you know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It's like Jesus is saying, Peter, no, 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 no. You are missing it. Listen, do you love me? Because the last time things got hard, you bailed. Jesus didn't say that. He didn't. But that's what happened, right? I love that the third time Jesus asks, he affirms Peter's affectionate love toward him by using the word filio. Both are important. We just can't miss agapio like Peter did. He turned away when things got tough. This doesn't mean that we just survive through hard times serving God in misery. Not even close. There is joy available to us within our middle. When we make our feelings submit to our greater purpose to love God, we can choose joy. He is our joy. He is our hope. Let's live in expectancy of God's goodness. It is in his nature. He is our father. And like any loving dad, he desires to bless us and care for us. Living in the expectancy of God's goodness and faithful intervention includes surrendering control and being okay with not understanding how or when God will do something. Some may think surrender means we do nothing, just become complacent. Kai's complacency and I have never been friends, never will be. Surrendering our will, no matter our circumstances, while we serve him wholeheartedly is not complacency. It is faith-filled perseverance. It doesn't mean we don't have hope and pray for blessing on those things that we've surrendered. It just means it's not a condition to our will to serve the Lord. In other words, if God doesn't answer our prayers how and when we expect, we remain steadfast in faith as we continue to pray and serve Him without offense. Offense is too big a risk to let in, guys, especially toward God. An offended heart leads to a bitter heart. A bitter heart turns away from God. Guys, we need him. He is our rock. He is our fortress, our stronghold, our deliverer. He is our hope. We cannot do life without him. This unselfish, sacrificial love without condition that we offer God through trials will guard our hearts from offense and protect our relationship with God. Let's let God be God because when we do, we don't set ourselves up for disappointment. God is not disappointing ever. When we reduce him to work within the boundaries of what our finite minds can understand, we limit him. Maybe you're in the middle of something right now that you don't understand. Maybe you're wondering, God, where are you? Maybe it's financial like mine. Maybe it's a broken marriage or an estranged child. Maybe you're waiting for healing or walking through grief from the loss of a loved one. Or maybe it's an unfilled desire to be married or to have children. Here's my advice. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love him through your surrender and obedience. Love him through sacrificial love. And like Jesus said, feed his sheep. Love him by caring for his people. Something happens in us when we love on others in our own time of need. Keep your eyes on Jesus, not your child. Whatever we put our time and attention to grows. If your focus is on him, he will lead you through that trial triumphantly. He will intervene. He will not disappoint you. He is not forgotten. He sees you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please rate and subscribe. I'd also love to get your feedback and hear from you. You can share this message through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can connect with me through Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and my website at jamienthompson.com. Until next time.